0: so that was very inspiring james thank you um you mentioned joanna macy one of the things that i heard was that from one of her many workshops that she's given on the great turning or the that's what it's called right the great turning there was a woman in one of her workshops that was from nebraska and went back to Nebraska and started Bold Nebraska, which was the driving force behind the resistance to the Keystone XL pipeline. Sometimes we think, you know, how much do the workshops help? Does it help to just keep talking about this? Well, of course, at some point it has to lead to action. And it's wonderful and inspiring when when we act. And, of course, most of the time we're not acting in, sol- in, in, uh, in solitude, we're acting in solidarity. So that's what I want to talk about. How is it that we support each other and find the inspiration and encouragement to get through all the, all the different manifestations of the dark night? Because there are many, uh, as you probably know, many times when people feel discouraged, many times when you feel like you're right at the at the edge of the cliff of despair. Um, But then it's it's through coming together and inspiring each other and working together that you find new ways out and through. I thought I would share with you uh, a discourse of the Buddha that I think is appropriate to our discussion on Sangha and how we can support each other and inspire each other and help each other. So this is the story of the Buddha and a monk called Megia And Megia was the Buddha's attendant at this time, and the two of them were staying by themselves without anyone else around. And at, at one morning Megia was walking for exercise and he saw this grove of trees that was very beautiful and he thought what a great place to go to meditate for the day i'll go back and ask the master if he'll allow me to come back here and meditate so he went to the buddha and he asked the buddha if he could go to this to this grove this forest and meditate and the buddha said wait Megya we're only here with the two of us wait for another monk to come by wait for another monk to come but Megia didn't want to wait and he asked again and he said, but Master, you're enlightened. You don't have to work on this anymore. It's all done. But for me, I've got a lot of work to do. I need to go. Please let me go. And the Buddha said, Megia, wait. Wait for another monk to come. But when he asked the third time, the Buddha said, okay, go at your convenience. Well, Megia was in that beautiful grove in the forest, you know, ready to, really strive that whole day he was assailed by thoughts that were disturbing about lust about harming about cruelty coming back again and again and by the time the day had ended and he got up from his meditation he thought why i've i've given up everything i've gone into the holy life i've got this faith and this good intention why are these thoughts stalking me. He went back to see the Buddha, he told the Buddha what happened. Now the Buddha didn't say, well Megia, it's because of this and that and that that you're doing or did or whatever. He, he, brought, it, he brought the teaching to a more universal level. And he said, "Megia, when the mind is not yet liberated, when the liberation is not yet mature, there are five things that can help it to mature. And the first thing that can help it to mature is having good friends, good companions, good associates. And then the Buddha said, each of these four things beyond that come almost automatically or are expected to arise because of having good friends. And it's a, these four things actually give us a little bit of an insight into what a good friend is. So what would be the second one? Having good friends being the first. Is that what happens when we have good friends is that we become and maintain our virtue. We become virtuous, we practice virtue. So, of course, our friends in that way are going to be virtuous too, right? We're going to encourage each other and help each other when we're on the skids a little bit. We're going to help bring about that virtue. When we have good friends, we have no trouble or difficulty. In fact, it comes easily that we have conversations about the things that are really important. We have conversations that help us develop, that open the heart, that open the mind. And the Buddha listed some of those things. He said, talk on few wishes. Now, when I think about these things in terms of the climate crisis and the climate justice or social justice crisis that we're experiencing, and I think about virtue, first of all, you know, this this is where we really start to identify What's right and what's wrong and choose what's right and we have each other to keep that 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 wisdom that discernment and and go in that direction when I think about that kind of conversation that opens the mind and lifts up the heart on fewness of wishes on contentment this is this is encouraging us to develop our culture, our societies, our economy, into something that's actually maybe more than sustainable, as someone said earlier, but vibrant, that's really about sufficiency, that's really about depth and richness rather than accumulation. Another kind of conversation that the Buddha said you would you would come by easily would be on solitude, on not getting caught up in things that getting caught up in things is easy to do it's easy to do in our society it's easy to do in this work of standing up because it's easy to get lost in the detail right but we can help each other help each other not get caught bound up in things bound up with with others that are on the wrong track arousing energy concentration wisdom liberation and the knowledge of vision knowledge and vision of liberation these are all parts of the conversation this is all what we talk about where we put our focus that's where we can help each other the fourth thing is Energy, as James was talking about, for cultivating what's wholesome and abandoning what's unwholesome. And again, having the discernment around that and the energy to really work with that in ourselves and in our society so that we're unwilling to tolerate the kind of treatment that... Whole groups of people have to suffer, like many of the people who were suffering and stranded during the during the Katrina storm, many of the pe- the people in the Rockaways who went for months without electricity. Why is that in this society? It's because they were poor, because they were black. We need to say no. We need to say people need to get services regardless of their economic regardless of their racial demographic, regardless of who they are or who we think they are or who anyone, it's not us and them either. It's like we have to start to be together in this, totally together and unwilling to let people and groups be sidelined, unsupported. The fifth thing. that is expected to come because of having good friends is the discernment and the direct experience of the arising and ceasing of things. The penetrative experience that is noble and leads to the complete destruction of suffering. That one the Buddha talked about often Where we really recognize that everything that comes into being falls apart. Everything that comes into being falls apart. And when we see that directly, there's joy. Because we know that we don't have to hold it together. It's natural. It's natural that joy comes and then we can allow the outcome to be whatever it needs to be and our input into as James was talking about doing what needs to be done, what can be done, what what we can create together is is what we do out of love, out of that noble the words that comes to my mind right now is mission but that noble inclination to really do what's what's good maintain and protect what's good and let it change as it changes naturally that it's okay Now, this teaching actually shows up in the Anguttara Nikaya in the Book of Nine. So that's the numerical discourses, which suggest that there are going to be nine things, not just five. So we have those five. That's That's what we can inspire in each other. That's what we can help each other with. And it all, in my sense, my feeling, applies to this climate situation, the situation we're in. But then the Buddha said, once you're established, based in these five things, then there are four more things to cultivate. The perception of the unattractive. So we have to, as has already been said, but this this willingness to really look at what's not beautiful the willingness to see that. You know, we can, we can start with what's not beautiful in the, the way we're encouraged to consume, for example. And even though there are things we may want, we can look at the downside of them. You know this part really well. That's, that's such sort of step one, that kindergarten step, okay? (laughs) But then we go on to the not beautiful of what's happening in our world. one of the things that I've seen again and again is we'll talk about this crisis, but a lot of times there's not much, um, we sometimes don't name Core problem well, we do in a way, but someone on an international call um, from England his name's John Stanley he's the director of eco- ecological Buddhism in in the UK he said it really well on this on this call talking about bringing Buddhist leaders out um, in response to the Pope's encyclical and he said that for him looking at what's been happening, that billions and billions of dollars have been spent intentionally to confuse the public, to misinform, to disinform. And he didn't mention billions and billions of dollars intentionally used to tie the hands of our government through contributions to campaigns, through lobbying, knowing full well what the consequences are to keeping us in the dark, keeping the general public in the dark and confused about the effects of using fossil fuels to the degree we're using them. John Stanley said, I can only call this human evil. It's the only thing I can call it. The reason we have to fight, the reason we have to stand up is because our governments, our leadership around the world aren't doing it. And that's because of corruption, plain and simple. Now, this is where the Buddha, there's a teaching of the Buddha that says, no evil is evil. And then the next, the successive teaching to that is be rid of it, disengage from it, pull away from it, say no to it, stand up against it. And we can. It's been hard to see, like our our whole system is so caught up in fossil fuel industry. But we actually can, because there's a way out of this. We have the technology. Renewable energy can hold the capacity. Mark Jacobson is Stanford, and his team has created the models for every state in the United States to move to 100% renewable energy. It's totally doable. Now they're working on all the countries. I just heard him speak. Um, on Friday, there was an, a national day of action for students. More than, I think, 60 different colleges and universities had national had a day of action on campus. And um, Anagar Dharmatana and I went to the one at Stanford, and Al Gore was speaking there. The Stanford students were tremendous. This this campaign, this effort, is called No Tomorrow, K N O W. It was, a, it was started by a mother of a Stanford graduate who has four children. Her son just graduated from Stanford. And she got this idea to create this and spread it nationally. And these young people are so bright. They're so articulate. And they are putting the pressure on Stanford to divest. They are very proud of the fact that Stanford was the first, first college, first university to divest from coal. But they're very, they've been very slow to divest from the rest of fossil fuels. But the students will put on the pressure. And each one of us, if you're a Stanford alum, if you know a Stanford alum, put the pressure on. Put the pressure on UC, on the UC system. Go to speak at the regents meetings. We can do this. We live in California. We have the right. And we can do it together. We can come together as a group. We can come together to support each other. So, the perception of the unattractive. See evil as evil and be rid of it. The second one. Developing loving kindness in order to abandon ill will. Like James said, you know, gathering in. Those people who are spending the billions and billions, if they have a change of heart, we'll take them in in a hot minute. It's not about them. It's not holding anyone as an enemy. What has to stop is the unwholesome behavior, the unwholesome trajectory that we're on, that's what we have to turn. And we can, and we are. But as Al Gore said that day, we have to do it fast. That's the key. And that's why he was inspiring that whole crowd that showed up, it was a good turnout, to take action now. Because the faster we act, the better chance we have that the damage is, is less, there'll be less damage as we go forward, and that's important. So Al Gore said, too, that a lot of things are changing, and he said, um, he talked about some of the laws in Florida that make it very difficult to put solar on your house. They've got it all tied up, and this is an intentional campaign to keep the renewables markets down and destroy them, Okay. But he said, uh, things are changing. He said, in Georgia, um, there's a woman who's part of the Tea Party. And Al Gore said, you know, regardless of what any of our our views are, Al Gore said he disagrees with this woman on just about everything. But she likes solar. (laughs) And when she got the word that they were supposed to squash the solar market, she said, no, I'm creating a new party. And Al said, wait for it, the green tea party. (laughs) And now they're moving into Florida. (laughs) So when I think about that, I think, who is the Sangha? You know, Buddhist Climate Action Network, we want to inspire the Buddhists to come together and take action. Um, But that's also friends of Buddhists, anybody who's willing to hang out with Buddhists (laughs) and taking action with other faiths, like they're doing in Sacramento on November 1st. The Pope is part of my sangha now. (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't read the encyclical, it's worth it. There's 74 pages. It's inspiring. He comes to this or, you know, his, his group at the Vatican. They come to it with incredible insight and sensitivity, I think. And I was actually asked. Oh, I'm going to tell you that later. First, I want to tell you what the, the last two pieces are. Mindfulness of breathing to cut off discursive thoughts. That would have helped Megia a lot, <laughs> probably. And it helps me a lot, I know, because there's a certain amount of a need for wise attention when I absorb the information about climate change. If I go too long and too strong into the negative, I start going downhill. But then I think, okay, there needs to be some balance here. I'll come back to the Dharma practice, come back to what's uplifting, it's not about shoving it under the rug, it's about keeping it in balance. And that's also where we can help each other. And the last one, the perception of impermanence that eradicates the conceit, I am. So, when that boundary of who I think I am and what I think is mine starts to fade. What's the result? Is it that we just sit back and go, oh, well, nothing's real anyway, it's all falling apart? That's not what I find. That the compassion grows. It's richer than ever. It's possible more than ever before to really put oneself in the shoes of another, to really understand, feel, along with them, the suffering that they experience. And compassion truly is the basis for all relationship. It's the basis of Sangha. It's the foundation. So the Sangha becomes not just my group or our group or this Buddhist tradition or all the Buddhist traditions, but all the interfaith Groups, all the faith groups, and all the secular groups that have the same values that can inspire each other, uplift each other, move towards greater virtue, greater compassion, greater kindness, and action, standing up, standing firm, saying the truth. I was asked to um, respond to the encyclical. On a, on a number of questions on an international webinar. And one of the questions they asked is, what kind of collaboration do you think is possible among the world's religions? And they cited a section of the, of the encyclical to to look at there. And this is what I wrote. As a non-theistic religion, Buddhism uses somewhat different language, but it shares the sentiments. We also call upon the forces of goodness to help us realize our interconnectedness and to find healing, to rescue the abandoned and to protect the world, and to touch the hearts of those who look only for gain at the expense of the poor and the earth. We pray that we may realize the true nature and results of our actions, that we may see things as they actually are and act with integrity and moral uprightness, as a gift to all living beings and to nature itself. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.